Welcome back to Straight to DVD. No, okay, there we go. <laughs> Raphael, how's it going, bro? What's up, dude? Dude, I'm good. It's it's another day in the life. Yeah, which and day I, is it? It's it's Tuesday. Set you up for a really easy joke. It was supposed to be m- m- marvelous movie Monday Mayhem. No, it's the it's the day the after. Day after. Oh, so it would be Thursday. Um. Yes, but I guess if it's a marvelous, if we're doing the day after tomorrow from a marvelous movie Monday, that would be Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday yes. Which is maybe today, depending on when this is released. That's true. And depending on whenever you listener are listening. That's true. The The ethereal format of something pre-recorded is that, you know, a movie like The Day After Tomorrow, you know, you could watch it when it comes out in 2004 and be like, wow, this this, this disaster is going to happen soon. And then you can watch it 18 years later and it's like, wow, this, this disaster is going to happen soon. <laughs> well, I guess... The only difference would be is that if you watch it 18 years later in 2022, the disaster kind of is happening. I feel like we're living in the day after tomorrow, which is why peek behind the curtain, why I suggested that we review this movie, not just because we love it, but because you turn on the TV and all the news is like, the globe is burning. Also, no abortions. (laughs) And there's very much a correlation between the two. Um, it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, I have such a, 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 a long ripe history with this film. Um, and I don't really want to get Hell too, yeah. I, I don't want to get like too much into it. Uh, but like this movie was a very big part of my childhood. Um, get into it. Okay. I, I, uh, I saw this movie twice when it came out in theaters the Friday it came out in 2004, I was 13 years old, and uh, the 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 Saturday it came out, the next day, I saw it twice. My father uh, took me to see it twice, because I he knew I loved like disaster movies and weather. I was going to be a meteorologist as a child. Maybe I should have been, uh, but I loved <laughs> I loved <laughs> the movie so much. Um, as a kid, it was just like, I think it is like the quintessential disaster flick, um, even more so than like Armageddon. I, some people might mm. come for me for saying that. Yeah. Uh, uh, come at me, rather, not come for me. Come <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael Bay will come for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's and like I've watched this movie. I want, I don't think a year has gone by where I haven't watched this movie. I think I've watched this movie every year. Um at least once a year. I've this might I may have seen this movie more than any other movie. I I Dude. actually do think that's true. I think I've seen this movie maybe 45 times. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, the movie's about two hours long, so that's like 90 hours. So, like, I've spent four full days watching this movie. <laughs> this is the um, day after tomorrow. <laughs> e- 
Uh, this is why this is why we're boys because I too have seen the day after tomorrow probably close to forty between forty and fifty times. I think I've seen this movie three times this calendar year. It's only July, and I did not rewatch it specifically for this episode. Uh, what's amazing <laughs> is I've I've seen it twice this calendar year, and I watched it a few days before you recommended we do an episode. <laughs> And then you rewatched it again. And then I rewatched it again. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So over the past seven days, I've watched this movie twice, once unintentionally. <laughs> I I honestly don't think there are two other people in the world who have as unhealthy of a relationship with this movie as we do, or as unhealthy of a, an obsession as we do with this movie. I. You know, it's funny you say that. I know two people who do. Drop names. One of them are is three cats. That's that's not surprising. Yeah, I guess that's sort of a, a, a yeah that doesn't count because <laughs> that's that's pretty. His, his sensibilities are like very much so aligned with with ours when yeah, it comes that, to yeah. <laughs> what you're going to rewatch over and over again. Okay, so he, that's not that surprising. He's just to to put it into perspective. He's the kind of person where if you do a quote from the movie, like, oh, I, I love buses. This is going to be the bomb. No, I won't have it. I won't have it. He'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and the other person who loves this movie uh, is Kelsey. Oh, really? She fucking loves this movie, dude. And it makes that's me awesome. so happy. Yeah. that I mean, that's that soulmates. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we watched it <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> she fell asleep um because she was like this is i've seen so... this 80 times yeah right exactly <laughs> it's not but here's what's so weird about the movie is like i mean okay i'll make this point later but what's 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 so weird about it is that like it's so fun to watch and it's also a great comfort movie to nap to oh it's a great nap it's a great like like sick day or rainy day in bed sort of nap movie or you know, like if you if you want to put something on, you know, late at night on like a like a Saturday, say a Saturday that you stay in, you know, like like midnight, 1 a.m. You put this on, you fall asleep on the couch, you're golden. Like it's it's perfect for for all of those occasions. And the movie it's also great to see in the theater um, yes, for like I think I saw this movie in theaters maybe four times during its original run. Well, it's I, guess, I guess I'm a fake fan, but you saw it two more times than I did. Four times. But you, you saw it back to back days. Yeah, that's true. I was not. <laughs> I, I don't know if I saw it opening Friday. It may have been there the opening Saturday and then the next weekend. And then I think the following weekend, like two other times. But not this you. Is... You, you did go opening night. I, I, so I, like I said, I don't want to get emotional, but this is the last movie that my father took me to see before he passed away. I mean, that's it's like that's got to count for something. Regardless of like the objective nature of the writing or whatever, uh, or the cinematography or whatever bullshit we always rag on movies for, there. Like yes, that that is obviously the movie is just going to have a, a place with me as for the rest of my life as a result of it. 
But like, even in spite of that, I, I don't know what it is about this movie. Um, it might be the greatest B movie ever made. It might be. And so, sorry, I, I mean, I'm sure this is probably an awkward conversation for you, but like not, this being no. the last movie that your dad took you to, like in a way that's kind of like why movies are awesome because they, something as silly as the day after tomorrow can also be something that is like insanely personal to, to you because you know, of where, like when it came out and where you were in your life and like everything that's happened after. And I'm sure like not to put words in your, in your mouth, but like the warm feeling that you get, you know, thinking about, about your dad when, when you watch this movie and like, that's like, it doesn't matter what the actual movie is, but that's kind of why it's like why people have loved movies for over a hundred years is because it can do things like that. It can mean moments like that, which is super special and anything outside of like what the, the movie itself is like, that's something that no one can ever take away from you. Ab absolutely. It's very serendipitous as well. It was like the movie came out on May 24th, uh, 2004 uh, almost it's just uh, four days before my thirteenth birthday. So it was like uh, it was like a becoming a teenager birthday present as well. Yeah, seeing this movie. So it's just like Roland Emmerich could have fucking done nothing, and I would have been like, "Oh, this is spectacular." Yeah, <laughs> I do think this is his best movie. Better than Independence Day. Uh, yes, I think this is better than it. Maybe it's maybe not as funny <laughs> as Independence <laughs> Day, um, but I think in terms of like excitement, it is like okay, the set pieces are sensational. The fucking tornadoes in Los Angeles sequence, the tidal wave New York sequence, uh, the fucking Eye of the Hurricane sequence. It's just like the it's soccer ball sized hail in yeah, Japan. That's right. Um, that's the and, best thing about disaster movies is that you can just cut to a random scene, or was that maybe it was China? But you can just cut to a random scene with characters who mean absolutely nothing to the story and just show them getting yeeted by massive balls of hail and then never come back to it. You know, and everyone's just like, yeah, cool. That, that totally makes sense for the, for the movie fits the vibe it's so funny you say that because i've noticed and i wonder i wonder if this is a trope for disaster movies um or i i wonder if it's a roland emmerich trope because it happens in independence day it happens in 2012 uh i'm sure it probably happens in moonfall i haven't seen it but i do want to um he writes characters you've never seen prior to their scene gives them a hefty amount of dialogue and then they just die. <laughs> this happens a lot in all yeah. of his movies. <laughs> My initial reaction was that's awesome. <laughs> but it's yeah. kind of fucked up to to just kill off random it's characters. The the uh the businessman in Japan with the hail, mm -hmm. uh the 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 news reporter and the two weathermen in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, the bus driver and the guy who wants to get on the bus in New York. It's like all, and they like have dialogue as if you are supposed to like know these characters. Yeah, it's very it's kinda, strange, but it's kind of awesome that in just like a scene, you kind of know everything that you need to know about these people, 
to feel to to still feel something when they do die even though they're not characters that we should feel any sort of like emotional connection to but we still end up feeling something like we feel that we feel the loss when they die like the the people in in LA um you know like everything you need to know about them in like the 5 minutes of screen time that they have before a tornado absolutely just wrecks them it's like it's strange but it's also it's kind of his little it's like his magic touch like i, I don't really know anyone else who can do that maybe michael bay does it a little bit in some of his disaster adjacent movies um but no one else really does that like roland he is the king of disaster movies he is right um i think some are more hit and others are more miss i don't know if you've seen 2012 um i don't think so that movie is so bad it's hilarious i gotta check it out uh it's just like i don't even know how to describe it uh, it makes the day after tomorrow look like a masterpiece. Not to say that the day, the day after tomorrow isn't. It but, might be. But, well, that, that, I mean, that's the thing, right? And that's why I was excited about this conversation. Because the truth is, and I mean, I sound like a broken record, and I know you feel <laughs> the same way. I do love this movie. I really mm-hmm. love this movie. Uh, like, kind of in the same way, I guess, like, I love French fries. You know? <laughs> like, if you There's like, always a food analogy. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, there has to be. Uh, it's not like, you know, French fries aren't like, you know, eating a $35 like T-bone steak or whatever, or like really like super, super lean tuna or some shit. It's like they're fucking French fries. It's like how gourmet could they be? But it's like fucking everybody loves French fries. They go with almost any meal and the perfect French fry is just i almost said unstoppable it's not toppable <laughs> it is also unstoppable <laughs> yeah Dude, you, you got the perfect french fry going you're yeah so you're like i don't i don't know what it is about the day after tomorrow because i don't know if i could necessarily say that like it's masterful direction or masterful writing uh or masterful acting or anything but the final product it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and comfortable when I watch it and experience it. It's it's such a... I feel like this movie in particular is like very unique in that way where I, I don't know if it is um, just a sort of masterclass from a director who's, who's just firing on all cylinders. Um, and that's why I love it so much. Or if there's something... There's like a weird, like in like intangible quality to this movie that despite the 40 plus rewatches, I've never been able to put my finger on. Like, I don't know if this is actually an amazing movie or if if it's just something that I love. And I don't I can't think of another movie that makes me feel quite this way where like I can't pinpoint like something super specific in the the execution or whatever that I'm seeing uh, to say like, Oh, that is an example of someone making a well-made film. Um, Like, I think it's maybe there, but I also don't know if it's there at all. I, that's part of of the magic of this movie. I absolutely agree with you. I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. 
I don't think I can rate this movie. Dude, I've been thinking about that all day. <laughs> I really, I really don't think that I can, um, because uh, you know I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just I don't. I, not to say that like it transcends cinema, <laughs> but but something something about the experience of just like sitting down with like a cold diet Dr. Pepper and watching this movie, it's like none of my, none of my problems matter, which is ironic because the movie is all about the world's problems. (laughs) (laughs) It's about like the biggest problem facing humanity and earth. (laughs) Right. Like the one thing that's out of our control, (laughs) humanity's control that will destroy us. But totally within our control. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so you know, I, I guess like, what do I? Lo- what do? What really? Uh, what, like, what about jumps it? Out? Yeah, about it, this movie. So I think it's so. So the movie's certainly not subtle. Um, it, you know, fucking like Jack Hall and his son. They're always like, ah, goddamn cell phones, or yeah. like he's like he drives a Prius and shit. And like the movie's very clear. Is like, oh, like fuck fossil fuels and and fuck yeah. the government and shit like that like the movie's not not really subtle about it yeah. at all oh, or like oh the uh, the the irish folks at the weather center die because they run out of petrol <laughs> no like yeah. that's not really fucking subtle um so like i get what they're saying about that but uh, it, not that it's cartoony but the movie is so in your fucking face about just like the people with power not caring about the opinion of scientists well I think we may have talked about this when when we reviewed Don't Look Up, but this movie is a much better example of what Don't Look Up wanted to be. Oh, it's yeah. it's a really fun disaster movie about the end of the world and about how people in power don't give a rat's ass, but it's not preaching to us about, you know, how everyone needs to do better and um, you know, Hollywood is like wagging its finger at politics and society at large. It's just like, hey, this is the the reality of the world that we live in currently. And like it's probably going to lead to our ultimate destruction. So here is said destruction in all of its glory. Like let's just dump a, a, a tidal wave and then snowstorm into New York City and watch people try to figure out how to survive for a couple of days in the New York City Public Library. And that's where that's where this movie succeeds in all the ways that Don't Look Up doesn't. You know, I, it's focused I, on the fun instead of the preaching. Right, right. And and what's so bizarre, you're absolutely right. And what's so bizarre about it is that not only is it focused on being more fun, it takes itself more seriously. Like the, the I uh, no, no offense to Adam McKay or anyone who worked on Don't Look Up. I just want to put that out there like, you know. I I like to do this now. Like if ever anyone listens to these that have worked on these films, like you look, you're doing that and we're doing this. Okay. Adam McKay, you can take offense from me. (laughs) That's a direct threat. (laughs) Let's be clear. That movie fucking sucks. All right. (laughs) No offense. No offense to anyone who worked on that movie, but that movie fucking sucks. Um, And the reason it sucks is because it's so fucking soulless dude uh it like the movie not only does the movie have no soul 
like in place of a soul, it's a black fucking hole. And any potential enjoyment you could possibly get, it just seeps out of you. It has it has no hope. It's so cynical. It's it tries so hard to be funny with making fun of real issues that it's not, and it just amounts to being depressing. And then you get the day after tomorrow where people are fucking dying constantly. Like so many people die in, in the day after tomorrow. Many, many people. And and like the earth is forever changed. And now we're in a fucking new ice age or whatever. But the movie ends with hope. It's all about like how one guy doing one little thing can make so much difference. And the whole fucking point of him marching against the storm in the snow to save his one son is that if everyone had this fucking mentality, the world would be saved to begin with. Damn, that's crazy. In all of the 60 times that I've seen this movie, I've never once thought about it this way. Yeah. I just think it's about... <laughs> I, I think Roland Emmerich's big thing is like he's here to entertain. And that's his. That's always his end goal. As much as there is like, like political and and hopeful and and um, sort of you know humanity subtext to it, his main goal is to entertain. Right? It's for the spectacle. So if that's the main focus, if you go out and execute and make insane set pieces of of L.A. being absolutely demolished by by eighteen tornadoes at once. That's always going to be a more fun movie than the movie that wants to preach its message to me um, and be a little bit holier than thou. This movie is never holier than thou. It stoops all the way down to my level and it, it just it fucks around with me. It's like, hey, dude, do you like seeing crazy shit on a big screen? And I'm like, yeah. And there and the day after tomorrow's like, all right, cool, then dig on this. And and then I walk out and I'm thankful for that because sometimes all you need is just not mindless entertainment, but sometimes all you need is someone who just wants to sit you down and entertain you for, for two hours. And, and Roland does that and he did it. I, what's interesting about what you're saying too, and I agree by the way, is that it does set out to be entertaining, right? It, it takes a very serious issue. Um, and it makes it pulpy enough that it's exciting over the course of two hours. Um, and it's just a, an insanely fun roller coaster to watch. And the same time, the reason it works, even though these insane things are happening on screen, is that all the characters are playing it straight. As well, they ha fucking have to be, because the world is ending. Not yeah. like Don't Look Up, where it's just like, Oh, oopsie, our rockets didn't blow up the asteroid. Oopsie, time to evacuate Earth. <laughs> lol, lol, lol. Or, like, you have, like, you know, like, uh, what's her name? You have, like, J Law, who's playing it straight, and then Jonah Hill is doing super bad two level comedy, <laughs> and it's totally inconsistent, and none of it matches. Whereas here, if everyone's playing it straight, the absurdity of the vice president character in The Day After Tomorrow, because the actor is playing it straight, and because the script and the scene is all played straight. The absurdity that bleeds through is then hilarious in a way that is like maybe intentional or maybe unintentional, but either way, um, I just think that something like that will always land, maybe not always land better, um, but in, in this particular case for this movie, it, it, it does. 
Like it, maybe it's not supposed to, maybe that character is not supposed to be funny. Um, but putting someone in that absurd of a situation and playing it straight to me is always a better, a better form of comedy. Absolutely. And the vice president has a nice little arc. Yeah. Where does he end up? He ends up uh, realizing that he was wrong about all these things and that now as the new leader, the new president of the United States, he's like, we do have to do better. And he's like, he addresses all the world's countries in like a closing statement towards the end of the movie being like, I'm so grateful that people have taken in foreigners uh, to come to warmer a warmer client while we ride this out and shit like that. And he's just like, I'm eternally grateful. And now we look forward and moving forward. I've heard there are survivors in New York. I'm sending more people to rescue them. It's like he comes I've a long way from survive. being a cockhead at the beginning. He really does. Yeah. Dick Cheney character. It's literally, literally, it's not subtle <laughs> in the slightest how fucking Dick Cheney light. <laughs> it's it's crazy how how much there is in common between this and Don't Look Up. The more that I think about it, mm-hmm. and why this works and that one doesn't, but not to not to harp on on Don't Look Up because yeah. we've we've already done that um, yes. at length. <laughs> yes, we have. Let's focus on what's cool about this movie. Yeah, um, uh, I had a question for you. Go ahead. So you, uh, but you kind of already addressed it. So is this is your top disaster movie ever? I think so, yeah. I don't even know if I could build out a top five. Um, Twister, Armageddon. Twi- Twister's pretty good. The uh, thing about Twister, well, I guess the thing about, well, no, Armageddon kind of does that too. The 90s was sort of when we went from, uh, 90s was the golden age of, of disaster movies, really. And that's when that shit went global in terms of like the threat. Like Armageddon is a global threat. Twister that's, is a very singular, um, like small stakes kind of kind of threat. You're 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 mentioning something that I actually was just about to ask you. Like when we say a disaster movie now, like uh, does like a, a film about a pandemic count? Mm, like does it contagion? have to be like like phys- Yeah, like Contagion. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Well, I was wondering. Well, um... Okay, before before I ask this question, I guess I'll answer yours. Um, I like the happening. Is that a disaster movie? Like well, sword? that's that's a disaster before <laughs> you even. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a movie about like a pandemic or something. Ah, I don't know. I feel like there has to be something. Like natural, natural, like physically disruptive about, um, about the disaster. Instead of instead of saying something natural, and saying physically disruptive, is because I think I want to say Independence Day is a disaster movie, but would you categorize it as such? If if Independence Day is a disaster movie, then World War Z is a disaster movie, because that's a that's a zombie infection movie, right? Well, I mean, Independence Day is a disaster movie in the sense that aliens blow the, the fuck out of the... That's the goddamn Chrysler building we're talking about. <laughs> that's Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which, is that a disaster movie? <laughs> I don't know. 
that's that's closer to the happening kind of disaster movie. That's yeah, that's true. Oh, it disaster is also Roland Roland Emmerich. Disaster right. of a movie. The though. day after tomorrow was a follow up to Godzilla, dude. Yeah, dude, he's had an insane run. Yeah, that is pretty wild. The dude only makes insane movies. Yeah, fuck. I'm also very disappointed in both of us for for not seeing Moonfall. I really do want to see it. I just couldn't yeah. bring myself to pay twenty dollars to sit down. <laughs> To watch it, I'll rent it for like four dollars when it's on Amazon or whatever. Yeah, I we should think it is right now. We should have given the money to uh to our king, our king, our disaster, disaster king, Roland, Mr. Emmerich. I yeah. wonder what he's like on set. Uh, I feel like he must be a delightful human who just loves to to blow stuff up. Yeah. I will. This is a totally random tangent, uh, but when the day after tomorrow came out. I, I was speaking to my aunt um, and I was super excited to see it like any, you know, 11 or 12 year old boy was at the time, you know, oh man, can't wait to see the day after tomorrow <laughs> movie looks bonkers. And she was like, I'm not seeing that shit. That's the same guy who who took out the Twin Towers in Independence Day. I'm <laughs> staying away from it. <laughs> oh, shit. Like Roland em- Emmerich is some kind of... Uh, <laughs> Some kind of profit. Yeah, he's right. Oh man, you okay? You know what we need to do? We need to do a double feature because you haven't seen 2012. We got to do 2012 and Moonfall. We got to do a double feature episode on those two. Okay, I was going to ask if we were doing an episode or just watching the movies. Uh, We could. I mean, that's fine too. We could maybe we'll watch them and be like, I don't want to talk about. (laughs) We could do a uh, we could do a live stream of us watching the movies back to back. That's not a so, bad idea. Six six hours three. <laughs> Just boozing the whole time. Oh, absolutely. We need, we need a keg for that shit. Um Okay, so sorry, back to the Yeah. Back to Independence Day World War Z. Why why does Independence Day being a disaster movie make World War Z a disaster movie? Because um because it's a supernatural phenomenon. The aliens are they're a supernatural phenomenon and they're using supernatural tech to cause the disaster. Zombies in World War Z, it's a supernatural phenomenon. Uh they their mm. destruction is coming from like toppling buildings and military and like uh the fucking um the wall in Jerusalem. Like all this like I just feel like it's in the same category. Yeah, that's also happens to be the best scene in the movie. Um, I I fall asleep to that movie. That I feel like World War Z falls into the same category. I don't think it's as good as The Day After Tomorrow, but I feel like it's a sleepy, comfort, nappy movie. Okay, yeah, I'll take. It. I, I okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I I feel like there are different tiers of disaster movie like natural mm-hmm. disaster i feel like is like armageddon or the day after tomorrow mm-hmm. you know and then there's um more Super. supernatural disaster yeah films. uh what's the what's the movie that came out at around the same time as armageddon that's essentially just armageddon but deep impact yeah yeah elijah was in that 
Yeah, I think that one ends with everyone getting yeeted, except for a couple of people who go up a, a mountaintop or something. Yeah, Elijah like, climbs on like a, his bike or something. He rides his bike up a hill, and and the massive tidal wave that takes out all of civilization is just just misses him. Yeah, smart kid. Right. <laughs> that movie's um, pretty fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really bleak ending. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, truth is, okay, the truth is if like a giant fucking meteor actually was on its way or asteroid or whatever was on mm-hmm. its way to hit Earth, I'm sure that NASA has some plan, but like it's They've never been testing them. They have been? This this calendar year, NASA um has started testing the their rocket thingies that would take out asteroids or meteors that are about to, to wipe out the Earth. They've been well, practicing. Thank fuck, because... Yeah, dude. But I think what's terrifying about it is that it's the kind of scenario where it's like they can prep as much as they want, but they cannot prepare for an actual scenario where it's actually happening and adjusting for the fucking ratio that the asteroid is spinning. Oh, no, and... they, they they can do all that stuff. They, my, they have the technology. My ass, dude. They have the technology. It's literally their job. <laughs> Um, but you know, we like, we defund NASA, um, because they're useless and we got to send our money to other places, not to get too political, but really what they should do is we should put folks on the moon and just attach a fuck ton of rockets to the side of the moon. Like rocket raccoons. Yeah. A bunch of, a bunch of rocket (laughs) raccoons and just launch the moon into the asteroid. That I think that's the plot of Moonfall, but reverse. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, yeah, the moon. Yeah, the moon is also far too big for us to launch at an asteroid. The moon is much bigger than any asteroid that would be coming towards us. Which is why we got to you got to go like guerrilla warfare style. Uh, so we send a bunch of different little rockets, and then they. That's what I would do. I would send a bunch of small ones that then shoot like super rapid fire and take it out instead of one big boy with just one shot. Like I wouldn't send up a drilling crew a la Armageddon to just drill one nuke into the middle of it. I'm I'm hitting that bad boy with rapid fire shots. Yeah, you would think that in Armageddon, if like the, if their master plan didn't work, that maybe they would just fire a bunch more rockets at it, just like directly at it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So the day after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you um, have a favorite scene? Um, I have two favorite. Yes, uh, the 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 tidal wave hitting New York City. Uh, is my favorite scene. Second, um, second favorite's the Twisters in Los Angeles, but mm, I like Twisters in Los Angeles. Um, second shout out of the episode to Three Cats. Uh, whenever we discuss egregious uh, New York City geography in film, he always brings up the example of uh, in this movie when the tidal wave first hits the Statue of Liberty, which is located um, s- southwest of the the southernmost tip of Manhattan, 
Yes. Um, and then the next shot is the tidal wave somehow going up the East River and taking out the east side of Manhattan. Yeah, the tidal... It's, which, yeah, <laughs> the way the movie depicts it is that it hits the Statue of Liberty and then destroys Williamsburg <laughs> coming towards Manhattan. <laughs> it is but very strange. Does it take out, are we assuming that it takes out all of Williamsburg? I always imagine the tidal wave just going up the East River and then from there reforming and like jumping up and taking out. Oh, no, brother. But it would, we are, we are all underwater with that Roland Emmerich tidal wave, dude. Here, Bensoners, Bay Ridge, fucking Flatbush, (laughs) Williamsburg, Long Island, man. New York is gone. <laughs> like this fucking. I guess either either way, the wave has to take a, a pretty weird curve. Oh yeah, if for it's... sure. It makes no. The wave came from Jersey. <laughs> yeah, if the wave comes that. from Jersey, and then it takes a detour and takes out. Yeah, Kings Kings County, and then takes out the East Side because the and the wave... west, the Upper West Side of Manhattan is fine. This yeah. conversation makes zero sense if you're not familiar with New York yeah, City geography. If, if you don't know New York, you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. The fucking first shot of the tidal wave hitting the Statue of Liberty, it hits the back of Lady Liberty. Mm-hmm. It hits her from the back. And the Lady Liberty's ass is towards New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And New Jersey is inland. And this tidal wave is supposed to fucking be coming from the ocean. It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even take that second step back that it's coming yeah. from this wave is coming from Montana. Yeah. Also, Lady Lady Liberty is what? She's um how tall is she? Like 100, 150 feet high? That sounds about right. So she's like 10 stories high, right? So this tidal wave hits her on like the shoulder so the tidal wave's about 80 feet high we can assume (laughs) (laughs) no this is important math yeah so the tidal wave is 80 feet high the new york public library is not eight stories high it's maybe two maybe two and it's especially hilarious when jack and dosh mehook uh, that's the actor who plays his buddy. I don't know. The the fact yeah. that I know the actor's name is Josh Mehook and I can't remember the character's name. With um, they like show up in New York and it's like everything's covered in snow. And then there's the New York Public Library, perfectly preserved in a little like yeah. slope. Right, I guess because there are a lot of uh, tall buildings around it. But really, yeah. there, aren't, there aren't that many. It's like the Bank of America Tower. But that wasn't even around in 04. This is way too in the weeds of uh, New York City <laughs> geography specific. Too, what an what an amazing uh, series that would be on YouTube or like even a podcast, just like New Yorkers picking apart the little details that don't make sense in yeah. movies that take place in New York. <laughs> but the other thing about this tidal wave is that after it takes out Lady Liberty, it takes out the financial district. That's right. So then it, it it has to go up and, and curve back around. Which Man, is this... weird. Because well, you well, see, the, just the done... tidal wave the tidal wave hopped on the on the West Side Highway and then he <laughs> looped back up around the FDR. <laughs> it took the B train to uh Rockefeller yeah. Center. Yeah, I guess right. you can take the you can take the D right to Bryant Park. Yeah. Which is where the library is. So yeah, that's yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After but you can't hitting... get the D train uh in the financial district. No. So maybe it got Maybe it got the six, and then it went up the east side, and then from there uh, got off at 
at um, at Grand Central took the seven to Bryant Park, and that's how it ended up at the at the public library. <laughs> uh, after which, uh, of course, being prefaced by the fact that after hitting Lady Liberty's ass, it hopped on the L and took that all the way into Williamsburg, and then hopped <laughs> off and just walked back across the bridge. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Otherwise, great movie. Yeah. Flawless. Well, see, that's but see, that's the thing. Like, the movie may okay. The movie makes no fucking sense. First of all, it doesn't matter. It's so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like a the the tornadoes in L.A. scene. The all of the dialogue is essentially how can there be one a tornado in L.A. and two how can there be 18 tornadoes in LA yeah. at the same time. And they're like, it doesn't make any sense. And everyone's just like, okay, cool. Let's, we, at, we got to deal with it now. And, and that's all that's, that's the only attention that's paid to how little sense it makes in the entire movie. And you just got to, you got to accept it. And if you're down for the ride, you're going to love it. Um, and if you're not down for the ride, change your mind and be down for it because it's, it's the best yeah. movie ever. Yeah, if you if you can't enjoy this movie because you're nitpicking shit like that, it's like that's completely that's not Roland Emmerich's mo. Okay, it's just not. He's not he's not about yeah. scientific accuracy. No, he's like not about geometric. plot holes. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, he, care, he, he doesn't care about that shit. And you know what? It's fine. If you if you can just crush it in the vibes department, that's enough for me. And Roland Emmerich destroys the vibes department this movie is all just vibes dude that's that's the perfect tagline for the instagram post promoting this episode <laughs> roland emmerich crushes in the vibes department <laughs> he, he, he does yeah have you ever seen a picture of him i wonder if he looks like... i actually have no idea what i have looks. no idea what this man looks I'm like i'm looking him up right now uh um, roland the only thing I know about him is is that he's gay, and he, in my in my unwoke uh, previous opinion, I thought it was it was pretty wild that a gay man would be making such bonkers disaster movies. He looks, but obviously in our Lord and Savior, year of our Lord and Savior, two thousand twenty-two. I know that anyone, despite who they may love, is is able to make absolute bonkers action disaster movies. Of course. And not what's ironic more than anything else is that he looks like a very sophisticated, really like brainiac kind of filmmaker. Like he would be making like art, like indie yeah. art house movies, and yeah, instead right. he's blo he's blowing shit up left and right and crashing the moon into Earth. He looks he looks like if Taika Waititi had no sense of humor. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to look up a picture. That does he? Is he wearing a scarf in most of his? Um, most of his photos. I picture him as a. There, scarf there is guy. one picture with a scarf. I'm picturing him. Dude, as like no, a hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You cannot tell me that this man does not look like Taika Waititi. How do I? How do I pull this image to you? Can I drop it here somewhere? You have to. Maybe. See this. <laughs> this is good audio content. Oh. I can't. I can't access the chat. Whatever, I'll um, text it to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but dude, I'm telling you, 
<laughs> he's all vibes, man. The guy's all vibes. I have to I have to <laughs> send you this photo while we're on while we're recording because I need the people at home. You, you need the uh the payoff of me reacting. To, I do, to I do need I really do need the payoff oh, more than you okay. could possibly imagine if this ever right. loads. Jesus. Standing standing by. Go. Okay. Standing by. Okay, we got here. Okay, we got the image. Where are those graph? Okay, okay, sending. Okay, Got now mine. look at this. Tell me that's not Taika with TT with no sense of humor. Okay, it's not. It's not in yet. Oh shit! Delivered. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is is he is he Kiwi? He's German, I think. Oh. I can totally see it. He's he's Taika Wat. He's serious Taika Waititi. Yeah, definitely. His version of Jojo Rabbit, at least the guy that I'm looking at in this picture, is just like it's like a really it's closer to Schindler's list than it is to whatever Jojo Rabbit was. <laughs> but in reality, this dude just blows up the goddamn Chrysler building. You know what? I think uh, immense respect to someone who's just like, you know what? I don't care about these fucking details. I just want to have fun making a crazy movie. That's it. Yeah. And he's good at doing it. Yeah. Some people try to do the, the uh, you know, the big spectacle summer blockbuster kind of thing that's that's light on plot, that's light on character, that's heavy on action. And a lot of times those movies fall fall flat. But Roland Emmerich is just, he's able to, you can feel his, you can feel his heart in it. Um, it feels like a heartfelt movie, even though all he wants to do is, he's just like a little kid who wants to watch shit blow up. He's just having and fun, that's awesome. man. He's yeah. having fun. Who I'm are we to say, oh, this movie sucks? It's like, fuck you. He had fun making it. Who gives yeah. a shit? It's fun to watch. It's yeah. so fun to watch. I watch it all the time. Absolutely. I I stand by what I said before. I'm not going to rate this movie because I don't think that you can fairly rate it. I really do think this movie is on a different like plane of existence <laughs> com compared to traditional cinema. Um I think that you if you were a knobhead, uh you'd be like, "Uh this movie's like at best a 3 out of 5." Um but like it's this movie's not about it's objective, like critical filmmaking aspects, you know, it's, it's, it's not about the craftsmanship, but it also kind of is because he's able to craft and mold these, these wildly entertaining moments that live with know. you that like they, they're eternal. Yeah. That wave hitting oh. Lady Liberty is, it, it will stand the test of time. You know what we can fucking say? The score is a five out of fucking five. <laughs> <laughs> How does it go again? And it ha every every time it's like it's like a slow build up to like, oh, the disaster's happening. It's like it's the same theme when the twister like touches down. Mm. And then when the twisters start destroying everything, and then it's like the, the wall of water hits New York City, and it's like people are dying, but as soon as Jake Gyllenhaal's in mortal danger, it's great. It's fucking 
burned into my brain, dude. Yeah, dude. This movie is does burn into your brain. It also might be No, this movie this movie's awesome and it it's it burns into your brain. It stands the test of time. It's I wasn't ready to come here and say that this is the best disaster movie of all time, but sitting here and talking to you, I'm I'm ready to admit it. Yes. It's the best disaster movie of all time. I'm glad you agree. I do think there are films that fall into this category. I think we've talked about some of these kinds of films before. I can't for the life of me pull out of my ass what they are or which ones we talked about. But this movie I think does fall into the category of it's so rad for so many reasons. You have to love it regardless of how we rate or the criteria with which we rate or score how well-made traditional flicks are. You know, I, I do think it just doesn't, it, it doesn't fall into that. No, it's, it, it's a, uh, it's a unique experience. It, it's a singular, uh, <laughs> I can't even say it without cracking up. The day after tomorrow is a singular cinematic experience. <laughs> there is, there is nothing like it. There isn't. This is I don't unprecedented know. territory. This is the first time we're not rating a movie. If, uh, yeah. if I was doing the letterbox thing, this would be the only movie that I don't rate out of five stars, and I just give it a little heart. The heart, and that's yeah. It. yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Fuck. It's not the best movie ever made, but it is certainly one of my favorite movies ever made. I, I echo that sentiment entirely. Very well said. That's perfect and concise. This is a movie that's been made, and it's one of my favorites. <laughs> this is one of the movies of all time. <laughs> Have we always known that the other loved this movie as much as, as we do? I think we may have mentioned it in passing, but I don't think we truly realized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know how people are like, oh, I'm a nerd about this, I'm a geek about this. I am a day after tomorrow geek. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen it three times this calendar year, and it's the end of July. <laughs> That's bonkers. That is pretty wild. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I watched it twice in the past week, but, you know. <laughs> I have plenty of time to catch up. Yeah, I, I might. I might, uh, I might, I might put it on right DVD. now. <laughs> I was actually thinking I, I might put it on after yeah. this. It's you can do anything to this movie. Oh, what do Maybe. I... Anything. I don't know what... Oh, what should we watch? Oh, well, I'm cooking. Put on the day after tomorrow. Uh, uh, what should we watch? I don't, I'm doing homework. Uh, put on the day after tomorrow. Uh, that's, I don't know what to do. I'm cleaning the car. Put on the day after tomorrow. Uh, uh, it's our anniversary, and I want to make love. Put on the day after tomorrow. <laughs> I, got a, I got a three-hour flight from, from New York to St. Louis. I don't know what to do. Put on the day after tomorrow. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> I think the movie's amazing. Go if you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you have seen it, go watch it again. Dude, you one one quick thing before we go. I think we both left this off of our most rewatchable movies list, which is insane Shit. because it's probably both of our most rewatched most, most rewatchable. You're right. Yeah. You're right. We have to I have the DVD at my parents' episode. house, but I gotta, yeah. 
I, I, might I have the, DV, the DVD somewhere over there in that room. Nice. I might buy a new one. See if there's a Blu-ray. Maybe there's Honestly, like a 4K. If there's no oh, no 4K sick. repressing, you know, anniversary release of this, we got to get on that ASAP. That's because pretty this movie, sick. When is when is the day after tomorrow being added to the Criterion Collection? That I think, is the big question. I think this is how this is how we really get our our name on the board. How we get our recognition is we're the two guys who fucking love the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Just constantly tweeting at Roland. When's the when's the Roland cut coming out? <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, we need a Roland cut. Let's. We've got to be pushing for. I mean, two years from now, it's going to be twenty year anniversary. <laughs> we're doing. We're going to do another episode. We're oh, doing we a, another theatrical release. We're we're going on tour with 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 Roland. The whole whole thing. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Q and A with. With director Roland Emmerich and two guys who really like this movie. <laughs> what would a sequel be called? Oh. The week after tomorrow? Um, two days before yesterday. Oh, shit. <laughs> I guess that would be a prequel. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, dude. The movie rules. <laughs> Yeah, this movie's rad as hell. Um, All right. Yeah, no, no, no stars, just heart. No stars, just heart. I love it. That's a good rating. I like it. Yeah. Love it. Ref, who the fuck are you? Yo, dude, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a dude who loves the day after tomorrow. Um, but I guess I can be found on the internet raving about the day after tomorrow on Twitter. Um, at Rapstit, all one word, R E F S T I T T. Um, on Instagram, it's the same on letterbox. It's the same. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be there just talking about how awesome the day after tomorrow is. I might make a TikTok to break down awesome scenes in the day after tomorrow. I, I don't know. It's, but that, that's that. Who, who are you? Dude, I'm Mike. I'm right there with you. I fuck. I'm just a huge fan of the day after tomorrow. I might change my Instagram handle to lover of the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, you can find me. <laughs> I'm on mute, but that was an actual spit take. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's R U O C C O. Michael Romeo Rocco underscore is in between and at the end. You can also find me on Letterboxd and Twitter at Michael underscore Rocco, R U O C C O. And you can find both Raf and myself and the podcast proper, along with all of our other episodes and special guests we've had over the years at Straight to DVD Pod. That's the number two, Straight to. DVD pod on Twitter, uh, fucking Instagram, fucking Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you find us. Yeet. Fuck yeah, dude. Let's hear Until it. Let's hear time. it for Roland, dude. Let's hear it. That's our guy.